TV, comics, movie stars, hit singles and some toys. It's trivia and dirty jokes, an evening with the boys. Once is never good enough for something so fantastic. So here's another Gilbert and Franks. Here's another Gilbert and Franks. Here's another Gilbert and Franks. Colossal classic. Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre. And once again, we're recording at Nutmeg with our engineer Frank Ferderosa. Our guest this week is an actor, writer, broadcaster, film historian, and celebrated and award-winning TV host. While still a college student, he submitted his original comedy material to his favorite local horror program and was soon invited to appear on this show, eventually leading to the creation of the character Son of Svenguli. Years later, he would assume the Svenguli role himself, winning numerous local Emmys, while winning over millions of horror and sci-fi fans with the show's variety of trivia, jokes, sketches, and song parodies. And in 2004, on its 25th anniversary, the show was awarded the prestigious Silver Circle by the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. In 2011, Sven Gulli began broadcasting nationally on syndicated station MeTV, attracting an all-new fan base, including yours truly, as well as movie icons Mark Hamill and Robert England, as well as our former podcast guest Dana Gould, Penn Jillette, and Frank Conniff. Please, welcome to the show a fellow monster kid and a man who once revealed that Una O'Connor gets on his nerves and (laughs) a man who once presented Regis with a giant donut, Rich Coase, a.k.a. Sven Gooley. That's probably the nicest intro I've ever had, Gilbert. <laughs> yes. And he wrote it himself. The- and it's very dramatic, too. <laughs> yeah. The only part missing is found dead in his Chicago apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Dressed in a lady's skirt. Yeah, yeah. that would be it. Sure. Well, you, you just said Regis. Was it Regis Philbin or Regis Toomey that he gave the uh, the, <laughs> giant, <laughs> the giant donut to? Actually, it was it was Regis Philbin. Ah, he was there a guest here on the show, and they said, "Well, we want somebody that's really identified with, with our stations to come in and present him with this giant donut." So I brought it in, and, and he was a little confused as to what I was. I think, 
And when I gave it to him, I told him, notice that at the bottom it says not to be used as a flotation device. <laughs> but uh, he was real nice. He was a lot of fun. Yeah, Regis, you've worked with Regis, haven't you, Gil? Uh, yeah. yeah. But the last couple of times you didn't want me on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay, what did you do? You didn't I give didn't him a donut. He used to be kind of a fan of mine, yes. Regis. Where is he now? He's around. Oh. He's around Upper West Side somewhere. And you you also did uh, Richie's I, show. I've, I've done Sven Gulli a few times. I've been yeah. on the show. I, I was very thrilled to have you on. I remember after the first time you visited with us, we were kind of breaking down the set. And you noticed the door and you said, can I be the hand at the door? Yes. And we would have loved to have you do it then. But, you know, the crew had already gone on because they had a sports show they had to do next. So we promised you the next time you came in, you could do it, and indeed you did. Yes. So I'm like the new Frank Nastasi. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, would you try going like this? <laughs> Don't kiss. <laughs> yeah, I always freely admit that that I stole the door gag thing from Soupy Sales. I always loved him when I was watching him as a kid. And uh, I, I thought we'd kind of adapt that for my show. Well, steal for the best. Yeah. If you're going to steal. Which films did you promote on the show? Do you remember? Oh, God. I Well, I don't know if, if I was there for any particular films. I think I just kept it open talking about horror films and whatever they found a place for, they sprinkled and it in there. Basically, that was it because uh, when you came in, we weren't sure what show we were going to put the the clips into, I believe. So we just had you talk about about the various movies, some of the ones that we both like, some of the ones we found kind of absurd, uh-huh. and our favorites, like, as you mentioned, Una O'Connor. Oh, yes. Yes, there was an Una O'Connor discussion. That's where I got that little bit of trivia. Yeah. And Rich said, she annoys me. Oh, my God. <laughs> she, uh... When she starts screaming constantly, yeah. that's enough already. Yeah. I... <laughs> When when I found out that, uh, oh, Christ, now I can't even remember the Frankenstein direct. James Whale. James Whale. Well. James mm-hmm. Whale. Yeah. When, when I found out that he was gay, I thought, well, this kind of explains Una O'Connor. <laughs> yeah, it, it might explain like, Ernest Thesiger, too. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. That's what I was just going to say. There's a connection there, certainly. And, and Ernest Thesiger in Bride of Frankenstein is described as a queer old gent. (laughs) (laughs) I always like the way he kind of strikes a pose near the end of the movie when he says, the bride of Frankenstein. Oh, yes. And he's got his arms out with the fingers. (laughs) You know, when when you're a kid, you think it's just another Frankenstein movie and a pretty good one. Yes. A damn damn good one, in fact. And then as you get older, you realize all the camp. In, oh, in, yes. in that movie and how much comedy they're going for. Sure, the tiny little people in the bottles and, oh, and that kind disturbing. of stuff. It's like, what and, is this? And she was married to Charles Lawton, so they had a Henry VIII oh, that's in a right. jar. Oh, yes. right. That's, so that's like an in-joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. there was a lot of, like, religious uh, symbolism, like statues and Mm -hmm. a crucifix over the monster. Right. At the one point where uh, the monster's laying down and and, uh, the blind hermit is giving his speech about finally having a friend and the great luck, as it fades to black, 
the crucifix on the wall is the only thing that that still is kind of high and invisible. And he to get down to the underground lair, he knocks over some big religious statue. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it, re- it reminds <laughs> oh, me of your ahead. old bit about the lever that destroys the oh, castle. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Do you know this, Rich? The the lever? Gilbert has a, Gilbert yes. had a bit in his act. Yeah. No, no. Yes, I didn't know this. Wait, is this the lever that blows up the castle? And it's like, yeah, I had a lever put in to blow up the castle. <laughs> like, they said they could put it in for the same price. <laughs> and uh, so you might as well uh, have it. I just have to be careful that I don't accidentally throw my coat over it. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. But that was one of those things, the lever that they would have. And I go, well, what would be their reason to blow up their own house? Exactly. <laughs> and we used to laugh. One of the film editors back when TV stations used to have film editors, who used to work on my show back when I was at a different station. He'd always say, you know, why are they the lever? Isn't it? Oh, yes. lever? yeah. 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 <laughs> and we thought, yes. It's the lever brothers. who put it in. for yes. you. <laughs> Rich, wasn't there something with your show and the Universal Classics that they were unavailable to you for a while and then became available? Do yeah, I, do about, I have this right? for a long time. Uh, they, they didn't really have them available to broadcast television. And I think that before we started showing them, it must have been at least in some areas a decade or two that they hadn't aired on over-the-air broadcast TV. Oh, interesting. And we, we, we had them for a while locally. And then we couldn't get them, and we went through a whole group of other things, some of the uh, Sony Columbia ones, the William Castle movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had some incredibly awful, I think they must have been <laughs> direct-to-video movies. And then when we were heading back uh, back onto the network, uh, we made a deal to have these Universal movies, and I think that was one of the reasons why we, we caught on so well, because we finally had... You know, the, these yeah. these classics that hadn't been available to a lot of people. You know, because, sure, you could get DVDs of them at times and things like that. But as far as over-the-air broadcast and easy to just pick up on your TV, they weren't available. And, yeah, because I remember I grew up on those early Universal monster movies. And then, sure. And also the monogram were fun, too. Well, we grew up at the right yeah. time because all that stuff was available on free TV yeah. at that time. Yeah, there was uh, the gangster Films yeah. were on one channel, sure. monsters on the other. Chiller Theater. The, the Sherlock Holmes movies. Oh, yes. The Charlie sure. Chan movies. The sure. Bowery Boys sure. movies. Oh, and, and A&C. And Blondie. Oh, yes. Yeah, Blondie. <laughs> With Arthur <laughs> Lake. Penny oh, Singleton. Which, yeah. which was, do you know the guy that played uh, Dagwood? He just said it, Arthur Lake. Oh, Arthur yeah. Lake. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I always thought. If they bring back, if they want to make new Dagwood movies, that uh, William H. Macy uh, could be Dagwood because that's who <laughs> that actor reminded when that's I funny. when I saw William H. Macy the first time. I said he looks like that guy that played Dagwood. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. He'd have to learn how to do that. <laughs> uh, yes, type, uh, reaction to things. Hey, since we're talking about the Universal Classics, share with Rich your theory of the individual monsters that we talked yes. about with Rupert Holmes, because it's fascinating, and I'd love his take. I mm-hmm. I probably, I, I wonder if I ever mentioned this on your show or 
or or felt like I don't want to waste it on his show. <laughs> uh, yeah, just save the skeleton nags material. Oh yeah, save the skeleton nags material for the next episode. Well, the kids like the skeleton nags. <laughs> I always thought his name was like a Jeopardy answer. Yes. You know, you say, what did Red do to his stagehands? Skeleton <laughs> nag. <laughs> Funny. Well, it, it's kind of like Dracula is who every guy aspires to be and envies and wants to be. Okay. He, he's the ladies fall to his prey. Uh, everyone's under his control. He's very confident and cool. Uh, Frankenstein is a baby and it just wants to be loved and he doesn't sure. understand why he doesn't. Yeah, it's like, you know, a little kid who who's, wants to find favor with everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and the Wolfman is like adolescence. Your body is changing and you don't know why. So, so it's sort of three stages of life, a baby, an adolescent and a mature adult. Uh, yes. And like- then the mummy is old age. Oh, oh, my God. We didn't Excellent. have that Excellent. Oh, listen to this. <laughs> yeah. Rich, you're making news. Uh, yeah, <laughs> by about, about huh? 2,000 years old. <laughs> He's old age. <laughs> Alex Trebek is trying to sell him that insurance that he won't be turned down for. Oh, God. Where does the Invisible Man fit into your, to your, uh, your theory, Gilbert? Oh. Can you fit him in? Oh, well, he could be the... Uh, the silent majority. There you go. <laughs> I, I don't know. No, because he really was. It's a future silent. episode, Rich. <laughs> and I see the fact that Frankenstein's a baby is what really annoys me when I watch Frankenstein and they, he gets the abnormal brain. I thought uh-huh. it didn't need that. That's true. You know, cause, uh, I've heard other people say that too, that. You know, uh, oh, it's a killer's brain. But in reality, the only time he really gets violent is when he's attacked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. So he's supposed to be a kid. He's not a killer. He doesn't have an abnormal brain. He just has a, a kid's brain. Yeah. His, his reaction is the same as anybody else's. If you're going to be attacked, you're going to fight back. Yeah, or me roll up in a ball and let them <laughs> kick the shit out of me. <laughs> You'd be a very different kind of monster. <laughs> Rich, so what, what would the creature from the Black Lagoon be? Where oh, would he God. fit into He's the gill uh, man, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes, the gill uh, man. General uh, fish food. I guess. <laughs> you, know, you know Rico Browning is still alive, Rich? Is he still alive? Yeah, we get him oh on here. Oh, my gosh. Rico but Browning. Godzilla died. Recently. Yeah, just recently I saw yeah, that. Yeah, and uh, the, the lady from uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. It was just her birthday recently. Oh, Ju- uh, Julie, uh, Julie Adams. Yeah, Julie oh, yeah. Adams. Yeah, yeah, and she's she's really nice. I met her once. She was just so sweet. We should get her a Rico Browning. I mean, oh, that's like oh, ties yeah. to the classic films. There aren't yes. there aren't many left at all. That'd be great. Elena, I think Elena Verdugo was in The Wolfman, and she just died. Yeah. A couple that, months ago. That was such a missed opportunity. I'm not sure how, uh, oh, well, how well alert yeah. or well she was, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, I mean, uh, she was only like 110. At least. <laughs> and now while Gilbert heads into the nutmeg kitchen to steal more Perrier... <laughs> 
a word from our sponsor. <laughs> This is Joyce Van Patten, and you're listening to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal colossal <laughs> podcast. podcast. <laughs> is that I, okay? <laughs> I can't work with her. <laughs> <laughs> well, the hell with you. Badum boom boom, Gil and Frank, Gil and Frank. Everyone's afraid of Gil and Frank making their podcast from hell. The earliest monster movie I remember seeing was The Indestructible Man. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that uh, Lon Chaney? Yeah, Yeah, Lon Chaney Jr. and Mm -hmm. Robert Shane, who was the inspector from Superman. Right. And Joe Flynn from McHale's Navy. You haven't had that one on, The Indestructible Man? No, we have not had that one. I would love to, though, because, I mean, it's it's ready for me to just jump on all that. McHale, what's this guy doing? (laughs) 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 Captain Binghamton. And and, uh, I think he may have even gone under his original name, Max Showalter. Oh, really? When, wow. yeah, he may have. I'm not positive. Casey Adams is in yeah, it, too? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's in The Indestructible Man. Yeah. I've never seen and it. I gotta Case, get... he, in, in The Indestructible Man, he comes across like, you know, the worst B actor. And then he really, <laughs> you discovered he was a really good comic actor. Mm-hmm. A Cheney Jr. film that I did see on Rich's show was The Mummy's Tomb. Oh, yes. Which I'd never seen. <laughs> oh, with, yes. with your buddy, George Zucco. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love George Zuko. Is that the one with um, Turhan Bay as well? Turhan, I, Tur- I get it confused with The Mummy's Ghost, which I guess was yeah, the sequel. Too. And I there was old, the, yeah, there was The Mummy's Two, Mummy's, oh, and Mummy's Curse. Yeah, I get, I get them confused. Well. Yeah. yeah. Hand was with Tom Tyler. Tom Tyler, right. That, yeah, right. Chaney's yes. not in that one. And the three Cheney ones are the other ones. And he supposedly hated the makeup so much, he made him eventually just create almost like a face mask that he could oh, put on. Oh, yes. <laughs> and then I heard at one point they would even just like, you know, wrap his arm in bandages and show that. And then in the next one, you know, from the waist up, have it. And then from the waist, because, I mean, that's horrible, horrible makeup. And back then oh, it was yeah. even worse. You know, those are okay, but they don't strike fear in you the way Karloff's Mummy no. does. That or that original film, I don't know what it is. I there, there's something about it's the performance, the way it's shot. Yeah, those old films where they they don't really have ambient sound. Yes, so right. there's that eerie kind of silence, and it's, you hear the crackling. Yes, adds oh, to sure. it. it's terrifying. And, and he just, he just was so much more threatening. I thought too. And it was yeah. Carl Freund, yes. who, uh, who I think he directed The Mummy. He did. And he used the same thing he used on Lugosi. He used on Karloff where the eyes light up. Yep. Right, the, yep. the little pinhole lights yep. I- into the eyes. That That's such an eerie technique, yes. too. And later in his career became the director of photography on I Love Lucy. Yes. How about that? And he yeah. used those same pinhole lights on Lucy to yes. frighten people. <laughs> yes, he did, on Vivian Vance. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Jack oh, Pierce, Jack Pierce, the, the greatest makeup artist with Frankenstein, the Wolfman, everything he did back then. 
all those incredible makeup jobs that he did. And, you know, think of the time it took to put those on in those days when, you know, they didn't have any of the shortcuts that they have today. Yeah. Have you met Bob Burns, Rich? Have you been out to L.A.? And- I've only, no, I, I've communicated with him via email, but I've never met Bob. You monster kid like us, but he knew, oh, Pe- yeah. he knew Pierce. He knew a lot of those guys. Wow. And, yeah. and Jack Pierce wound up being a makeup artist on Mr. Ed. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> well, you got to work. Because, well, the Westmores came in and, right. and they found out how to make the makeup a lot quicker. Yeah, exactly. They could do it faster and probably cheaper, so that immediately got them in well. Rich, let's talk a little bit about your background. We talked on the phone, and it, I find it fascinating that horror films scared the hell out of you as a kid. They really <laughs> did. They very I, easily scared. I was afraid of everything when I was a kid. I was afraid of the dark. Just from, I think, my exposure to to movies and TV and cartoons, I was afraid of skeletons. Uh-huh. I don't know why, and I don't mean <laughs> to nag, but, and, and the first horror movie I saw, there's two that I considered the, the first one. One was the original King Kong. Yes. And the other was the Wizard of Oz because the Wicked Witch scared the hell out of me. Yeah, you consider kid. that a horror film, huh? I really did. As a child, I was afraid. Everybody talks about, oh, the flying monkeys are so awful. That witch was, I I would literally, you know, hide my face in the couch cushions <laughs> because, and I think part of it was just that voice. Yes. The palace guards are pretty frightening, too. And, and the trees are yeah. scary. Yeah, oh, for a kid. yeah. Did you yeah. wait till a certain age before showing the kids The Wizard of Oz? Did you think it was, uh, did you and Dara think it was too intense I, for them? I don't know if yeah. I, if they ever saw the original Wizard really? of Oz. Really? Not yet, yeah. huh? Wow. Yeah, because some parents are too, they think it's too intense. Uh, there are moments that are really intense. Sure. I mean, right at the beginning, you're you're killing off a witch. Yeah. Come on. Right. <laughs> and and uh, I think I never I I remember seeing Margaret Hamilton uh, be a guest on Mister Rogers. Oh right, yes. To, yes. to show children that they shouldn't be afraid that she was just acting. Yeah, I, a lovely that, woman, yeah. from what they say. I'm interested to know about how you felt about playing that wicked witch in The Wizard of Oz. Well, I really was very thrilled to. Uh, I, I had done it very often, uh, not that one, but a witch when I was a little girl in Halloween. That was the thing that I always wanted to dress up as. It's like lots of children would rather be a witch than almost anything else. There are lots of other things you can pick out, but that's the one I loved. And so when I had the chance to do this, I was very, very happy about it. Well, girls and boys like to play witches. Yes, don't they do. They? Yes, they certainly do. And when you feel as if you'd like to play something a little bit scary, a witch is a fine thing to play. <laughs> yes, she has, she has lots of things about her. I, I've always felt that uh, sometimes the children feel that she's a very mean witch, and I expect she does seem that way. But I always think that there are two things about her. She does enjoy everything that she does, mm-hmm. whether it's good or bad. She enjoys it. She worked with W.C. Fields, right? Yes, she was around a long time. And uh, she was in one of those uh, William Castle movies, too. She was she was like the maid or something, or housekeeper in one of them. I can't remember. Well, she was, yeah, ped- she was peddling coffee in the 70s. Oh, that's right. that's right. That's right. Yeah, from, was it Maxwell House or something? <laughs> and, a lovely, I think it was Maxwell House. Yeah, beloved woman. I think and, everybody and loved her. speaking of coffee uh, salespeople... <laughs> 
Was was this actress Rula Lenska really big in England? I mean, Rula Lenska. They used that <laughs> reference. Yeah, in the sure. coffee commercial. I remember. Yeah, yeah. She'd say, "I'm Rula Lenska," yes. and I was showing some American friends around <laughs> London. <laughs> She's like the non-celebrity. Yes. Like, kind of like Pia Zadora. Yeah, when when I first started as Subtle Swingoolie, we used to probably make a joke about her every week on the show. Oh, you did? Oh, this is kismet. And somebody even kin- contemplated, you know, having us start a Rula Lenska fan club. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we ever did. Oh, hilarious. I See, I think they, they said, you know, well, you know, how how many people really are traveling to England? So uh, they said, well, we'll say she's a big star in England. Who's going to know? <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so you're we've f- got a, We've got a, a, I'm sorry. We, Go we've ahead. got a movie coming up, one of the mummy ones. Uh-huh. And it also has another coffee saleswoman in it. Because she's like the princess oh who comes God. out of the actress that played Mrs. Olsen. Yes, exactly. Ooh. She comes out of the the mud of the bayou there and cleans up rather nicely. She was a very attractive woman at that time. How was her and name? I, something Christine. Oh, okay. Does that sound? I right? don't remember. I, I well, again, she was a character. I didn't really know that she was any right. kind of notable actress. But we've got that coming up, uh, I think, during December, and uh, we, we definitely bring up the fact that she was Mrs. Olson because it was the richest kind of coffee. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and I heard, like, uh, Cheney, because he used to be, uh, you know, he'd get thirsty, <laughs> we'll say. Oh, he bent the elbow. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. And... In that scene where he's carrying her up the stairs and he's in full mummy outfit and he's carrying the girl up the stairs, that uh, they had her harness to him so he could get a firmer grip on her. <laughs> oh my. And and he was he was bombed, of course. <laughs> and and he wound up falling down the stairs with the girl. Oh my god. <laughs> oh which which mummy movie? This I think this was Mummy's Ghost. Good Lord. <laughs> that, is that the one where he's going up like the uh, it's some sort of thing with like almost railroad tracks going up to a little shack? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, my uh, executive producer, Jim Roach, has told me the name of that actress is Virginia Christine. Wow. Oh. And if I remember correctly, she was married to, I think, Fritz Feld. No shit. Wow. That's esoteric. I so. Fritz Feld. Wow. I love I, it. Can... I mentioned Fritz Feld in, my, in the documentary about me. Uh, do you really? Gilbert. Over yeah. the closing credits, right? You yes. do a whole Fritz Feld thing. <laughs> and, and I try, I can't do that popping sound no. that he used to <laughs> That's do. That's not easy. It's not yeah. easy to do. But it's, it's funny. Fritz Feld found that one thing. That he could do, and he worked like crazy. He was the hotel maitre d or whatever. Sure, yeah, yeah. That was his. Was, that, that was his gimmick. He was and just because he could make that popping noise. Yeah, he was terrific. <laughs> so, you, so you grew up in Chicago, Rich. You're terrified of horror movies. You're terrified of the Wizard of Oz. And I don't know if a lot of um, of our listeners know your your background. I mean, you grew up in Chicago. How did you make the jump to to Monster Host? We had a little bit of it in uh, a little bit of it in your intro. 
Yeah, well, basically, horror host. I did kind of get over my fear of everything, and I started to love horror movies. They would show them on one of the local channels, like at midnight on Sunday nights when I was in high school. And then, uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed that. And then we had two different horror movie shows on WGN here, a very popular station in Chicago. They had creature features, and they ran most of the Universal stuff. And on WFLD, a UHF station... Uh, one of my favorite local personalities, Jerry G. Bishop, who was on the radio and did mm -hmm. TV, just happened to be the voiceover guy on the uh, Friday Night Horror movies. And he he started, you know, fooling around. He's a funny guy, and he started making up things and making jokes while doing the intros going back into the segments and eventually turned it into a character. And, you know, they tried to figure out a name for it and finally came up with Sven Gulli. And at first it was just uh, like a slide up on the on the screen and he'd be making the jokes and using sound effects and stuff. And it eventually became a full-fledged on-video TV show doing the wraps around the movie. And I was a fan of his from his radio stuff and everything else. And people were sending him jokes. And I started to send him jokes and ideas for skits. And he found out that by then I was a, uh, a freshman at Northwestern University. And uh, he said, oh, what are you studying? And I said, well, radio and TV. He said, oh, that's cool. And he started to give me specific requests for things to write. Like there's a commercial out now for, you know, some sort of real estate. Can you make make a joke about that? Write a, write a bit about it. So I'd write parodies of that kind of stuff and song parodies for him. And eventually he said, well, why don't you come in and watch us, watch us tape sometime, which was great. I was thrilled. How cool. Went in and he, he knew that I could do voices. So he said, here, why don't you do this like off camera voice for me? And eventually I was working with him on the show all the time. And, you know, it was like a dream come true because this is one of the guys that was one of my local TV idols. What a cool thing. What was Screaming yeah. What was screaming Yellow Theater, by the way? That was it. Okay. That was the name of the show that he did. Okay. And uh, he was kind of a hippie I think, character. I mean, I saw pictures yeah, of him online. What he looked like was a, a sort of hippie with long green hair. Yeah. He <laughs> looks like of, a vampiric uh, Arlo Guthrie. Kind of, yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and he had the dark circles. His makeup was similar to the facial makeup that I use. Okay. Except, again, the hair was all, all green, and he wore a sweatshirt. See, one thing I didn't know way back then was when he was in Cleveland, previous to coming to Chicago, he was on TV opposite Ernie Anderson doing the Goulardi ah, stuff. Ah, Goulardi. I was going to ask you that. Took the took the uh, idea. Well, okay, he was kind of like you know a, a beatnik sort of type guy, and he said, you know, maybe I should be a hippie. And so that was his character. And you were son of Sven Gulli for a while, and then when Jerry left, uh, moved on to other things, then you became you in. Well, you, no, so actually, I wasn't son of Sven Gulli until long after Jerry was was out of the <laughs> show. Oh, I see. He, he got canceled. That's something that you get used to in TV. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, I worked with him in radio for a while, but then he ended up going out to San Diego. And uh, I had also at the same time been working with Dick Orkin, who does very funny sure. commercials. Yeah. Did the Chicken Man chicken character man. and the Tooth Fairy. And I was working with him, and then he went off to the, to the east, uh, east Coast, West Coast. I'm <laughs> directionally challenged. And... Uh, so Jerry said, well, what are you going to do? You know, you, what do you feel like you're going to do now? And I said, well, maybe I'll pitch a local station. I may be doing a TV show. And previously, uh, somebody at a local station wanted Jerry to just for the summer do Sven Gulli again. But Jerry said he didn't really feel like doing it. One of the reasons was, honestly, 
he thought someday he might want to run for local office. Oh, and he didn't want that to be brought up. <laughs> interesting. That's his background. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, but you know, at the time he said, "You can, you can be the character," and you know that was very flattering to me that he felt, you know, he had enough faith in me that I could do it. And and so you now you're officially Sven Gulli as as yeah, of that well, moment. Son of Sven Gulli from 1979 on through you know the 80s, and uh, when I finally was going to be on our local station here with the company I work for now, WCIU. Uh, Jerry came into town to visit and we were we were visiting and I said, you know, I'm going to be doing the show. And I said, maybe I should change the name because even by the end of my original run in like 1986, people were asking, you know, well, your son is Sven Gulli, but who's Sven Gulli? They didn't really know him because it was see. several years before that. And I said, you know, I'm maybe I'll shorten it or something. And he said, I tell you what, you're all grown up. Just be Sven Gulli. And Isn't so, this cool? Gil, it started with him writing, was, writing yeah. fan, fan mail and sending sketches to the guy, and he becomes and, and is assumes the, the throne. Is the old Sven Gulli now a respected senator or something? <laughs> no, actually, <laughs> he went out to San Diego and did radio and TV there and actually had a couple of restaurants. Oh, and he wow. passed away a few years ago. Jerry uh, Bishop. But he was, he was just, you know, what a generous guy to just kind of, you know, that turn would, the keys yeah. to the thing over to me. Yeah, it's a great story. And at what I find weird, the times that I've done Sven Gulli, is like then afterwards, you know, you, you wash your face and put on a regular pair of pants and shirt. And I'm always like, ah, who is that guy? <laughs> yeah, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get to be a normal person. That's true. Yeah. You know what that reminds me of? Zombo on on the Monsters. Oh, my oh, God, sure. yes. Boy, Louis Nye. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> and Eddie, right. Eddie sees him out of his makeup, and he says, hi, Eddie, I'm Zombo. And Eddie freaks out. Doesn't <laughs> yeah. he end up, like, destroying the set? He destroys the set and goes insane because, because Zombo isn't Zombo. <laughs> Tell me, Eddie, is there anything you want to say to all your friends and fiends in television land? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd like to tell everybody that Zombo's nothing but a big fake. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> He's a phony. He's a phony. I boy, Eddie. Give it, give it to him, son. Give him one for Grandpa. Bite him in the neck. Due to technical difficulties beyond our control, uh, the Zombo Show will not be seen this afternoon. Or ever! <laughs> it's funny, years ago, the I mean, now you, you're about the only TV host, practically. Uh, it, years ago, there were so many TV hosts, and they don't have their own local TV hosts. Sure, yeah, that was it. Because, And it always seemed like it, it kind of went in, in waves, you know, because uh, there'd be a lot of them all over the place. Then it would just die out, but then it would come back again in a few years. And I, I, one thing we've noticed is since we've been on and we've done pretty well nationally, there are now some local stations that have again decided, you know, well, let's try this. And they, oh, they nice. started with their own hosts. So, so it's coming that's back. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Maybe I've, I've started a new flood of these <laughs> strange creatures well, on TV. In New yeah. York, we had Captain Jack McCarthy. We had and Chuck o McCann. And Chuck McCann and Officer Joe Bolton. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, 
a Sandy Becker. Right. Yeah, you so you must have had your own in Chicago. You must have had the, the, the guy oh, that presented the cartoons and the guy that presented the Stooges. And Sure. We had a lot of people. We had Ray Rayner, who uh, did all sorts of TV. Uh, and then uh, we had uh, Bill Jackson, a terrific guy. He did BJ and the Dirty Dragon and Giggle Snort Hotel, which I think went national. <laughs> Giggle Snort Hotel. He had, he had all these great characters, and he, he could draw things. He was a great artist. And uh, we had Fraser Thomas, who did the Garfield Goose show, which was very popular. And, of course, for years and years, Bozo was very Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, Bozo. yes, Larry Harmon, right? Well, here they had him first played by, um, oh, I can't think of the guy's name, the original Bozo. Well, Willard uh, Scott was Bozo from the from the Today Show. Well, see, they, it was another syndicated type thing where there were different Bozos yeah. in all sorts of things. There were a Bob bunch. Bell. Bob Bell was the Bob Chicago Bell. You know, that's right. I was trying to remember Willard Scott's name. Yeah. Well, it, no, wow. maybe he wasn't Bozo. Maybe he was Ronald McDonald. But yeah, he Willard was Ronald Scott McDonald. used to do like, uh, and so and so turns a hundred. Yeah, used to do the the birthdays <laughs> with a name like Smuckers. Yeah, gotta be that old. That's right. <laughs> and he once announced my grandmother. Oh, he really? announced your grandmother's it. birthday. Yeah, that's my cool. grandmother <laughs> turned a hundred. And I remember my, he said, well, we need some stuff she did. We like to announce stuff she was a fan of or things she liked to do. And I asked my mother and my mother said, well, she, she used to like to cook and, and did some sewing and, uh, she likes to go outside. And, (laughs) and so he and Willard Scott announces it and he goes, and happy 100th birthday. They are Minnie Zimmerman, who likes cooking, sewing, and the great outdoors. <laughs> Hilarious. Was she thrilled? Oh, yes. Yeah. And and it made her sound like she went mountain climbing. You know? <laughs> I think he was yeah, Ronald, Mc, uh, Ronald McDonald. Spearfishing or something. Yeah, spearfishing. You know, and Gilbert, you were a, were a host of a wraparound show, of a uh, movie wraparound USA show. USA Up All Night. Yeah. And yeah. I, I wrote for Commander USA's Groovy Movies. That oh, was my, my first, God. my first Isn't TV cool? job. So we all, we all have a, a connection to, uh, and to those I, wraparound I, shows. I grew up watching Zachary. Yeah, John Zachary. Yeah. Wow. Just yeah. Lost him now, I never met him, but he did know of my work, I guess, and approved of it because he a couple times had sent me little messages saying that you know I should keep doing what I was doing, and and that he he'd called me Grand Old Svengooly. Yeah. <laughs> The cool ghoul. It's like when when I was uh, the host of USA Up All Night, I mean, our movies were for the most part like teen comedies with the tits and ass cut out. (laughs) 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 So you could concentrate on the dialogue and story. (laughs) Which was gripping, of course. Yes. (laughs) I wonder if Commander USA was on the same network. John Lalos. Was, oh, your, yes. was your producer? He and was al- the original producer, and also my producer on Commander oh, wow. USA. And I think that was, was USA too. Yeah, yeah. I think they recycled the same movies. And then John <laughs> Lawless called me up years later, so I could be part of a documentary he was making on Theodore Burkell. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Wow. And we should have had Theodore Bekel on this show. And Zacherly, who passed at, oh at, my who God, passed at yes. 98. 98 he lived to. What, yeah, let's well. talk about some of the horror hosts, too. Since we're, we're bringing up Zacherly, let's talk a little bit about Goularty, who you touched on. 
Right. Um, uh, very, very popular in, in the Cleveland area. Cleveland. And uh, again, Ernie Anderson, yeah. who at first, the only way I knew about him was because Carol Burnett would introduce him every week from the audience. And because he was the ABC announcer who said, the love boat. MacGyver. Was, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that was Ernie Anderson. <laughs> and it was only years later now with the internet and everything else that I found out about Goulardi and how that probably was an influence on Jerry G. Bishop doing his Sven Gulli character. Yeah, probably because there's similarities. Definitely so. Tim and Conway was the, one of those. Was one of the cast right, members on Gulardi. Right. Did you know that? Oh, Tim Conway gee, was no. on yeah, yeah. Well, they yeah, both had a beatnik thing. Uh, Goulardi and 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 Jerry. Well, yeah, Jerry's became a hippie more or less. A hippie. Then. Yeah, but uh, we had a, our own horror host in Chicago in the 50s that I only saw a couple times because I was really young and we'd only see it like if we stayed at some relative's house too long. But it, it was the original Shock Theater package, and he was a sort of beat nicknamed Marvin. He was played by Terry Bennett. And he was the first horror host in Chicago, I think, and uh, was very, very popular. I did some research on these other guys. There was a guy named Morgus the Magnificent. Down south in New of Orleans. Did you ever hear of him, Gilbert? No. Another horror host. Chili Billy out of Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, him. He, he was just a normal guy, and he has a part in Night of the Living Dead. He's the reporter they're talking to near the end of it. Wow. That's so cool. Well, I believe. Yeah, the one that the guy says to him about, yeah, there's zombies there, uh, real messed up. <laughs> yeah. Was, that was such a great line. Yeah. Our, our yeah, listeners. You, you set fire to them, they go up pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> Chili Billy, I believed, because Joe Flaherty grew up in that in the Pittsburgh area, oh, was an inspiration sure. for Count Floyd. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then of course Vampira, Vampira, sure. Yeah. And Dana Gould, I was surprised to find out that he was like one of her caretakers in her last years there. Wow. And, and, yeah, Dana told us yeah, that. Yeah, it, it's amazing to me. I, I'd like to ask him more about that because. Uh, you know, to have that connection to her. And, of course, the whole story of how she sued Elvira. Oh, yes. Uh, Patterson. What was her name again? Uh, Cassandra, Cassandra Peterson. Peterson. Yeah. Peterson. Yeah. And I, I don't think she actually won. That. I no, think she, she lost. lost. She lost yeah. big. Yeah. Yeah. She was an interesting woman, too, but she was married to the screenwriter of Dirty Harry and Charlie Varick. Oh, A guy wow. named Dean Reisner. Oh, yeah. Named Dean Reisner. Yeah. oh, with Walter Matthew. Yeah, he also wrote Walter Play Misty Matthew. for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she had an interesting life. She was friends with James Dean. Oh, wow. Myla Normie. Yeah. Yeah. Is that how she pronounced it? I, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> she worked with Mae West. Wow. According to my research. Wow. Yeah, I believe she sued Elvira and, uh, yeah, and, she and got, lost. got cleaned out. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, yeah, that's a shame. But it's a dying art, you know, and now, now you're saying it's starting to, to, to crawl back. Well, yeah, which because is nice lot, to for see. a while, people were saying to me, well, you know, you're, you're kind of a dinosaur, more or less, because, you know, nobody else is doing this anymore. And quite honestly, I'm very fortunate to be at the station and network that I'm, I am, because when uh, my boss, Neil Saban, first got the, the job here at uh, WCIU, which before that was all brokered time ethnic broadcasting, and he convinced the bosses that he could make it like a regular old, you know, independent station like we all grew up with. And they went with it, and he made that a success and eventually created MeTV. And he has a real appreciation for that type of TV that we all grew up with, with the hosted shows. 
And I'm just fortunate, you know, that I'm here with him. Yeah, I remember watching Sandy Bicker. Oh, yeah. Teach you how to comb your hair. And so for a while, I was combing my hair exactly the way they taught it on Sandy Becker. I wonder how many of our listeners remember Sandy Becker. He was a Sonny Fox contemporary. Yeah, he would do yeah. Norton Nork. Yeah. Yeah, Sonny wow. Fox we, we, we had, had Sonny on. Fox. I he don't was know if you terrific. Know wow, yeah. Was that, was that in Chicago, Wonderama? No, that Rich? was not here. Yeah, he was that was not host. available And Sonny Fox, when we had him on... I was expecting stories of kids say the darndest things, but he was, you know, held prisoner by the Nazis. Yep. And oh my God, yeah, yeah. He, had some, he had some stories to tell. <laughs> yeah, that was a fascinating interview. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> so when 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 the original Sven Gulli passed the torch, Rich, I mean, did you? How much of the original show did uh, the original conceit and and the premises did you keep? Did you did you say okay, now I have an opportunity to make this my own, and I'm going to go. I'm going yeah, to go I in a different it, direction. and I kind of used a lot of the, the ideas that he had, you know, as far as using the sound effects coming in, that sort of thing, and uh, doing the, the parodies of commercials and songs. And, uh, you know, but, but then, you know, I, there were things I could do. Jerry really didn't do many impressions or anything, and uh -huh. I could play other characters. And with the technology we had, you know, we could pre-record things so I could be two characters in the same shot and everything. And uh, so I think it just became more elaborate as we went along. And it got to the point where right right when I first started and was doing the, the Son of Svengoolie, I really could just, you know, I just used it to do any kind of bits I wanted. It didn't necessarily have anything to do with the movie. Whereas now I think I tried to do things more tied in you with try the to tie movie them in. to yeah. make it all, yeah, to make it all, you know, one complete thing. And uh, Zachary, and it was a lot trickier back then in early TV to figure out timing and how you would do it. He used to, like, interject himself into the movie. Sure, yeah. Yeah, that that was a lot harder to do back then and took a lot of planning. And, and we, we've done stuff like that here, too. But it's so much easier because you just, you know, use the chroma key system and you can, you know, pre-count the timings and everything and make sure that everything fits. But I think a lot of the time he was doing that stuff live. Yeah. Which is just unbelievable. Amazing. So the timing had to be exact. And, like, there'd be a scene with, like, a crowd of angry villagers, and all of a sudden, he'd be there. Right, yeah. yeah. We had one, I don't remember what movie it was. Um, maybe it was uh, The Raven. Oh, with yeah. With Bela Lugosi. And Boris And at one Carl. point, there's a big, big shot of the audience. And the woman is dancing wearing a raven mask, and it's really pretty awful. Oh, God. But it cuts to the audience, <laughs> and, and we had me superimposed sitting in one of the seats, just kind of falling asleep. <laughs> yeah, that that play that they're watching with her. Ah, God damn it. Someone should always tell me to shut <laughs> off my phone, and they never do. That's okay. Who do I know from Newark, New Jersey? <laughs> Now <laughs> I can't help you. <laughs> yeah, that part where she's dancing around uh to someone reciting the raven and it was yeah. it was pretty embarrassing. That's a nutty movie though. And that oh, that, yeah, that and the black strange. cat boy, the two the, of them. The black yeah. cat is totally out off there. the fucking wall. Yes. Both of them. 
We yeah. have that one coming up too before the end of the year, where uh, you know Boris has the haircut that looks like he's part of a flock of seagulls. Just great. Yeah, he <laughs> he looks like a later day rock star. Definitely <laughs> so. Yeah, and you know, there's uh, that must have been before the the motion picture code because oh, there's a few things God. in there that that you're like, really, they got away with that back they, then. They hint away at incest. Yeah. And uh, to say nothing of being skinned alive. Oh yes, on yeah. camera, <laughs> and the Satan worship angle of it, of course. And and yeah, the uh, that he's keeping his dead wife there, which is uh, <laughs> questionable <laughs> to say the least. And sleeping with Bella's daughter too. Yes, it's a yes. wild movie. And there's a it's it's the idea that most movies back then. We're in, like, basically a haunted house. An old right, haunt- yeah. And this was, like, Art Deco. Yeah, very expressionist. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the house of the future. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Norton would say. Is there a character on your show? Uh, I know the answer to this, uh, but I'm going to have you tell me. Uh, Zalman Tombstone? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Zalman <laughs> teaches. And, and who, pray tell, is he based on? He is based on uh, Billy Saluga's Raymond J. Johnson. <laughs> oh! God! When we first used to have him on, he had like Bless a big you. mustache and a big plastic cigar, which we had to get rid of because it would always bounce out of his mouth. <laughs> but he'd start the whole thing, and, whoa, you can call me Toomey, or you can call me... And we had a whole litany that he did just like the Billy Saluga character. And now we still have him on, but, you know, we, he doesn't do that whole thing anymore. He's just like a wise-cracking skull. And we're actually having him rebuilt... Because he was sold. It was the original one that I used when I started in 1979, and the thing was falling apart. And we've got a special effects guy who's actually working on making a new version of him that we'll be able to use. I bring it up, Rich, because in a couple of weeks we have on this show Mr. Billy Saluga. Oh, wow. How cool is that? Yeah. And, and talk about taking one thing. There you go. It's Fritz, it's Fritz Feld again. <laughs> Fritz Feld with a cigar. <laughs> he, he, he probably became a multimillionaire popping up on every show in the 70s. And every commercial. Yes. And yeah. Going, oh, yeah. Hey, you can call me Ray. <laughs> but and, you doesn't have to call me Johnson. Johnson. And, and you go... That was it. <laughs> when you look back on it, you go, oh, well, there must have been more than I remember. No, that, <laughs> that was, was it. <laughs> and we have an hour coming up with him. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, you can call him Ray or you can call him Jay. Yeah. Or, never mind. You should have him on the show and do a, and do a thing with, uh, with Zalman. Ray meets, <laughs> that would be Zalman so meets his inspiration. You wear a lot of hats on the show, don't you, Rich? You host, you write, you, re- you do you do the research and uh, as well? Yeah, I do the research. I, I screen the movie to begin with, and uh, I take real copious notes on it and break it down into the segments. Uh, if we need to cut it for time, I figure out where to make the cuts. And we really are, are real careful about it because I've always used to get really mad when I'd watch local movies where they just chop a whole scene and toss it. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we, at times, literally, we're taking out 10 seconds here and 10 seconds there. The main thing to me is not, you know, taking out anything that's really essential to the plot. So I, I, I do that and uh, help with the post-production. And, yeah. I, I, and you I blog you blog on the website, too? Yeah. My I write God. the blogs every week. And, and I do the social media stuff. My God. And it's always fun when you'll 
name like the smallest character actors in there and like early serials that they did and everything. Well, I've always been fascinated by that. And I think, you know, I'm just like a lot of the people at home. You see somebody on the screen and you're going, I know this guy, but I don't know what he, I know him from. Yes. And that was the, one of the reasons why I decided to do this. And it's funny because a lot of times, you know, we'll, we'll do the little biography thing and then somebody will email and say, you forgot to mention that he played the third man on the left in the movie <laughs> I Live Free Live. I love that you're doing the comic book guy in the, uh, <laughs> the Simpsons. That's the voice I hear a lot of times with some of the letters that I get. But yeah, it's, it's like I have to explain to them, we can't list their entire resume. We don't have the time to do that. Yeah, I mean, I was telling you on the phone, I mean, I learned so much watching your show. I mean, I, I feel like I'm a guy that knows a fair amount. But, well, I, but you know, I learned I'm, so much from, from iconic films that I thought I knew everything about, and you, you dive deep. Well, I'm sure not an expert, and I learned everything just because I have to do, you know, the research on, on these movies. People say, oh, you're an expert on this, and they're like, no, I am hardly an expert. And now most of the horror actors you were too young to have met, but which ones no. did you meet? Well, I I don't think I've met any of them, quite yeah. honestly. The closest I've come is is like meeting uh, Julie Adams now later in life. Okay. Uh, meeting uh, Vincent Price's daughter, Victoria. Uh, we had her who, on. She's great. Yeah, she's got so many great stories. But yeah, I never had the chance. <laughs> but going back to somebody we mentioned earlier, I did get to meet Louis Nye once. Oh, <laughs> my God. Was, that I counts. I was in a radio wow. commercial with him for Admiral TV's. And he was Admiral Admiral, and I was one of the shipmate guys. Oh, he was hysterical. Did you know Louis Nye, Gil? I never met Louis Nye. Oh, too bad. I met Howie Morris. That's cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, because I was at, I was just attending some autograph convention. I think you took me oh, to Oh, it was it. the one at the Beverly Garland. Yes. In, uh, in uh, the valley. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this guy uh, honks his horn, goes, Gilbert. And and to me, I I had worked with Frank, I think, about twelve times. And I, <laughs> I had didn't no know, idea who I was. Didn't know who he was. <laughs> but he said, You wanna get in the car, we're going to an autograph. So I said, Okay. He got in the car with a with a guy he that was a, a total stranger to him. Yeah. Be, because I said Norman Fell is gonna yeah. be at this, <laughs> at this event. That's the magic word. And he got in the car. <laughs> it, it, oh, it's, it was like one step away from I'm looking for my puppy. Can you climb the van? <laughs> I've got some candy here. Would you like some? And when I was walking around, I was walking around by myself at one point, and someone screams out, it's that loud mouth fucking Jew. Oh, and, and I freeze, and I turn around, and it's Howard Mars. <laughs> Dressed as Ernest T. Bass, yes, I might add. Yes. <laughs> and I got to talk to Norman Fell there. He Pat, was, Pat Harrington Jr. was there. Oh, yeah. Adam West wow. was there. That was quite a day. Oh, and and the two women from Disney. Yeah, but I was walking him around, and I said, "Come on, Gil, we'll go. We'll meet Adam West. We'll we'll meet Pat Harrington." All you wanted to talk to was Priscilla Barnes from Three's Company. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes. You spent about forty minutes at her table. Well, that, that was a good choice. Yeah, though, that's 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 the real Gilbert. <laughs> we will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. 
Let me throw in a question from one of our uh, listeners here, uh, Rich. Okay. This, we do this thing called Grill the Guest on Patreon, and Paul Ekstrom uh, wants to know, did you meet Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and uh, did anything, uh, did any hanky-panky happen between you? <laughs> well, actually, I did meet her, and uh, oh, God, she's really I... sweet. She's calling she's... Gilbert now. <laughs> she's saying, don't that, talk about is that. Is that Elvira? <laughs> but yeah, we were doing a, one of the flashback weekend conventions here. I was doing the costume contest on stage, and they arranged for her to come up and interrupt. I didn't even expect it. And she came up and joined us on stage for a little while. And later on, I was talking to her, and she said, well, it's great to finally meet you after hearing about you for all these years. And I was like, you knew about me? Oh, that's flattering. That's amazing. And now I've, I've heard her like on, on radio shows and stuff, and she, she always says nice things about me, which is great. And she, she's terrific. Very, very funny. Here's one more from Luke Ski. Uh, I loved watching the Co-Zone as on, ah! the, on the syndicated Chicago lineup. Uh, sketches like Captain Dustpan. Was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> here's a fan, real fan of yours. Was Stan Freeberg a big influence? Yes, definitely. I, I loved his stuff and still do. Uh, the Co-Zone was when I was working at, um, at Fox. And at first it was a late night show because they, they, it was like the anniversary of me being fired. And one of the local columnists had written something about it. And uh, they, I guess they felt guilty. So they said, well, we want you to do something, uh, another late night thing. We want you to be like uh, the Phantom of Fox and you're showing movies. And I said, well, at, at that time, I said, there's somebody on the country music station who's doing the same thing, the Phantom of the Opry. And I said, here's what I'd like to do. Recently in Chicago, this really happened. Somebody had broken into the signal on a couple stations. And you know, it was a guy in like a Max Headroom mask. And he paddled somebody's behind and all this stuff. It was really <laughs> odd. But it wow. actually happened. Two different stations. And I said, how about if I'm a former disgruntled employee and I'm breaking into the signal every week to do a show? And they were like, well, okay. So we did that. exactly. That's a clever that. idea elaborate thing and we did commercials where they started out as like a commercial for for the phil donahue show there'd be static and they'd show me in the background working on this equipment and there was a sign that said this, the time of the show and then by the end it would fade out and go back to the regular commercial so people thought somebody was really breaking into the signal and in fact Somebody from the FCC called our chief engineer and said, All right, you want us to send out a truck and uh, check who's doing that? And when he said, no, it's just a publicity stunt, they were not very happy. Hilarious. But we did that on, on Friday nights for a while. And then after a while, Fox decided they had to have a line of kids shows. And in every city, they wanted to have a host. And my boss said, well you know, how about you do that? And I said, well, I don't know if I want to be a kid's show host. I'd like to just keep doing the nighttime show. And he said, well, the nighttime show might not be there anymore. So it was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to be a kid's host. <laughs> and we did did the co-zone. I, I, again, I loved it because I got to play all sorts of different characters I'd create. Captain Dustpan was an ecological superhero. He was the fighter of filth. So I'd throw in, like, you know, stuff about, you know, <laughs> conservation and things like that. But it was basically, I was doing the Cliff Clavin voice, and I wore a dustpan for a mask with eye holes cut in it. <laughs> and, and we did little little episodes of that, and then I did other characters. There was like an, an old man who misunderstood everything. There was a Phil Silvers character, Mister Bilker, a who Phil was always Silvers character, trying to sell people things. Yes, indeed. Oh, you'd look lovely if you bought this new harness that you could wear when you're in the car. Oh, it's really lovely. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I just, I did shtick. And the whole thing was they wanted to be educational, but I found ways to, you know, fit it in with just the comedy shtick. You got a charm life, Rich. You're a man who makes a living by putting a dustpan mask on his face. <laughs> Doing Phil Silvers. Can make that claim. Thank you. <laughs> Gilbert, were you ever approached or, or considered to do a, a kid show host? To uh, do anything no. like that since you've done so many kid shows? No. So many and, voices? And I, I, I think they'd be scared now. Now it's too late, of course. <laughs> like Mario yeah, had uh, Steam Pipe Alley yes. in the 80s. And yeah, that which was a very strange, very subversive. Yeah. I'm wondering because because <laughs> you became known for a while as a guy who did kids show. Oh yeah, uh, excuse me, kids movie voices. That anybody ever broached that idea? But no, no, yeah. never did. Yeah, that no. would that would have been surreal. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Let's just talk about uh, some of the movies. Cause, uh, sure. And uh, by the way, I enjoyed Gilbert in the casket with the, having the chickens thrown. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> at him on the show. And one thing that they 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 managed to cut out each time is usually I'll grab one of the chickens and start choking it. So they oh, I see. Gilbert choking his chicken. <laughs> I see. Yeah. But I, I have to say, Gilbert, really, you've been very restrained when you've done this stuff with us. <laughs> you know, because, you know, there, there were certainly people who were going like, well, are you going to even have anything you'll be able to show on the program? <laughs> and I said, no, don't worry. He'll, he'll make it good. And you have. And yeah. I really appreciate that. Here, here's some things I learned. Gilbert will know this, of course. Uh, did you know that, that Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein started out uh, as a Broadway show? No. Or at least that was the intention. Do yeah. I have that right, Rich? Yeah, that exactly. Because at the time, again, this was kind of like when their, their TV stuff and had not started yet. And their movies were kind of losing steam. And they thought, well, we'll go back on stage. This will be fun. And they thought about doing something. It was going to be Abbott and Costello meet the monsters. About and it that. would have all the different, you know, famous monsters that were, were in, the, uh, in the Universal movies. And the original script was, I think, called uh, The Brain of Frankenstein. Yeah, that was and the they, original script for the, for the movie, too. Yeah. But and it was going to be a stage show. Yeah. yeah, they adapted that. To where the brain that they were going to get for Frankenstein was going to be Costello's, and uh, you know the the Broadway show never happened, but the movie obviously didn't. It was a big boost to their career and also a little more vitalization for the uh, monsters, which had not been sure. in the public favor in a long time. And nice of Karloff to do promotion for the movie after even after yes. he turned the he turned the part down. Oh yeah, that's also the, the, rather strange. The photos of him standing pointing yeah. at the uh, yes. posters and yeah. stuff. Sure. And and the funny thing though, I and I know he didn't want to ever play the monster again, but it would have been nice the idea of uh, Cheney, Lagosi, and Karloff in one movie. It would have been. That would have been outstanding. I wonder, though, if he was physically up to it by that oh, time. Oh, that's true. Was it, we're talking about 46, 48, 48. Yeah, around that time. Yeah. And, you know, at, at the time, you, you saw that even uh, Glenn Strange had problems and hurt his ankle there. Oh, yes. You knew that, and, right? That Cheney yeah, puts on the... Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, Cheney puts on the full in that scene where the monster throws the girl out the window. That's Cheney. Yeah, because uh, Glenn Strange had tripped over a cable or something and hurt his ankle and wouldn't have been able to pick her up. 
So um, we've got that movie coming up again. I'm like plugging the hell out of this, but we've got that coming up Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> next month too. I also didn't know the Walter Lance thing that, that Walter Lance designed the uh, the opening credits. Oh wow! The animation and also the transitions from uh, Bat to Dracula. Oh, those those were done yes. by his animation. Isn't that cool? Wow! The stuff I learned watching Sven Gulli. And and <laughs> and but they have their blunders there, like uh, like uh, Dracula in the mirror. Right, he goes in and to bite uh, what is yeah. it, Lenore Albert yeah. or whatever her name is, and and you see him reflected there, and it's like, wait a minute, what yeah. But the, the same thing happens in Son of Dracula, because uh, he flies into the hallway and Lon Chaney turns into, you know, the, the full man. And again, he's caught in part of a mirror in the hallway. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's near the beginning of the film. Interesting. Here's another thing from the speaking of the black cat. And I think I learned this on your show. Uh, the director, Edgar Ulmer, dubs a line. Yes, he does. Uh, he dubs a line for Karloff. They're playing a game of chess for which someone's life is in the balance. And when he loses, his line is, you lose, Vetus. But it wasn't Karloff. It, it was Edgar Ulmer. How interesting. Wow. How interesting. Yeah, because I remember when they're leading, he goes, we'll play a little game. A game of death, if you'd like. <laughs> exactly. As you do, you play chess Oh yes. for each other's lives. <laughs> Well, they were going to play <laughs> Monopoly, but they're going to play Mousetrap. <laughs> and there's there, in getting back once again to the black hat, there is no rhyme or reason for anything that takes place in the movie. None. It's like some <laughs> weird true. dream you're I think watching. it's a comedy. I mean, that, that scene where, where Lugosi throws the, the scissors yes. off screen at the cat. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like Mel Brooks doing the cat noise and then, uh, in Young Frankenstein. And uh, when he backs into that big glass, whatever it is, meter or whatever, yeah. and breaks it. And it's like, what, what is that, that stuff? I, don't, I guess it was supposed to be like a a former fortress with armaments and things like that, but there's no explanation for some of the stuff that's in there. <laughs> I'd like to do some deep research on that movie because it's a fever dream. I, oh, I don't yes. know yeah. if, they, if the if Omer was hallucinating or what. He, it just doesn't he make could it. have been getting stoned. It's crazy <laughs> from start to finish. And and Lugosi's death is like uh, he's helping her uh, out of the rope, and the other guy sees. And he thinks he she's being attacked, so he shoots Lugosi, which is like, oh come on! <laughs> and, and and Lugosi goes, "You poor fool! I was only trying to help her," <laughs> and then dies. <laughs> in one of your Svengoli episodes, Gilbert, you also wanted to know where Lawrence Talbot and the Wolfman gets the tailored suits. Yes. <laughs> Always got me. I mean, he's a guy wandering around in the woods, and he turns into uh, a werewolf and is running wild. And so he would always be dressed uh, perfectly, perfectly tailored suits, a suit and tie, everything <laughs> pressed. At the beginning of House of Dracula, he's wearing what almost looks like, you know, what would be a uh, mobster shoot suit in a gangster movie. Yes! He's got the black shirt, the pinstripes, <laughs> and the tie, and he's grown that little uh, cookie duster mustache it was, there. That was so fucking stupid. <laughs> he's, he turns into a werewolf, 
So he what? He wants to uh, display more hair on his face. <laughs> it was... Maybe it was a shortcut. You know, he wouldn't have to do as much. What's what's the one where Lugosi is supposedly really hypnotized? Oh no. yes, <laughs> where he's in the closet. The, yeah. you know, yes, in the yes, cl- yes. And we showed that too. Oh, the hell's um, the name of that one? Black Friday. Oh Black yes, Friday. and yeah. yeah, and he plays a gangster of all things. Yes, which doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. No, no, he's like, and and in the closet he's going, let me out. Let me out. I can't breathe. (laughs) And you're going, if he was really hypnotized and his native tongue and and the one that he spoke much better than English was Hungarian, wouldn't he be panicking in Hungarian? (laughs) <laughs> that would make perfect sense. <laughs> and, you know, the money is in the oven. Go get it. <laughs> Rich, was was there an SNL sketch about Svengoolie that didn't make it to air? Yeah, I, I was very surprised by this. And there does exist one still picture on the uh, Weekend Update <laughs> set. Uh, two guys who were fans of my show, I didn't even know about this. It was during election time. And they were going to have on the weekend update someone dressed exactly like me, supposedly Sven Gulli, who was going to be a political commentator talking about the election. Hilarious. But he was going to keep doing, you know, really awful puns like I do. And uh, they made it all the way to dress rehearsal and, and it got cut, so it never hit the air. Oh, maybe we could get you some information on that. We oh, get that get our hands on I, a script or something for you. Yeah. That's intriguing. I, it was. And, you know, and again, wow, how flattering. And, and, you know, like, I'm always amazed that people know who I am now, you know, and know the character. Uh, yeah. I'm were, sorry. were you ever at, at the Zacker Mansion? The, no, you know, I never was. And I never even got got to meet him, unfortunately. Zacker Mansion, Zacker. The nudist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's the scariest Our thing. Our friend Drew Friedman, the uh, the uh, cartoonist illustrator, oh, sure. uh, yeah. cl- claims that uh, that Fari Ackerman was a nudist. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> that's He's not neither... going to be drawing that, is he? Here, I would love to see that. <laughs> here, here's a horror host reference. In an episode of The Odd Couple, were you an Odd Couple fan, Rich? Sure, yeah. Uh, Oscar's running for city council, and he ha- and the only airtime he can get to do a commercial for his campaign is during the Igor show. <laughs> <laughs> does this does this mean anything to you? Uh, no, it <laughs> Igor, it's a Zachary knockoff played by of all people Guy Marks. Oh wow, oh, Guy Marks! Wow. <laughs> yes, I always remember him. He, didn't he play an Indian on F Troop? He sure he played an Indian a lot. I think he had an Indian character in his act. Yeah. Didn't he? Yes, I think that's right. Yeah. And he's saying, your red scarf matches your eyes. <laughs> this sounds you right. You remember that song? Yeah. It was like a, a sort of 1930s radio type song. Your red scarf matches your eyes. You closed your cover before striking. Father had the ship fitter blues. Loving you has made me bananas. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Let's see. What else do we have here? Tell me about the mail you get, because you and I were talking, and you said that when you run a comedy, because you ran, you're a Marx Brothers guy like us. Yeah. And oh, bless yeah. your heart, you ran both Horse Feathers and Duck Soup on your show, and you said you got some uh, a little bit of angry mail. 
Yeah, because, again, we get the, the letters and here comes the voice again. You know, you're supposed to be showing scary movies and yet you are showing this comedy. It is not scary. And I wish you would stop it right now. I will never watch again. <laughs> P.S. Send me your autograph. And, and that's uh, really like a real life Count Floyd situation. It is. Yeah, With, sure. yeah they show like Pretty Woman. Oh, it's very, very scary. scary. <laughs> <laughs> Who booked this movie? <laughs> but, you know, I, I loved Marx Brothers and I love that. And even when we show uh, Ghost and Mr. Chicken. Yeah, didn't you have that recently? One of the most popular movies we show. Yeah, that's good. And, of course, Abbott and Costello meet Franks, and I still don't get this. We get people complaining, oh, you show these Abbott and Costello movies. That is not the type of thing. You're supposed to be scary. Oh, and, well, and lately, <laughs> what we've been getting as well is, you know, they moved my time slot earlier. And there were people like, this is totally wrong because these movies should be watched after dark. So I told them, well, wait a month. It'll be dark by the time it's on. <laughs> uh, let me. I'm going to ask you real quick before we uh, before we run out of here, uh, Rich, to to talk about some of the movies that we've had, some of the horror films that Gilbert has recommended on the Amazing Colossal Podcast, yes. like Freaks. Freaks, that is an amazing movie to me. Every time I've seen that, I'm just stunned by the fact that they used actual, you know, politically incorrect. Now, freaks yeah. in the movie. Johnny Eck. And the, another thing, though, that really always makes me laugh is the whole thing at the table with Gubo Gabo, one of us. Oh, and yes. I always, I'm just, it's kind of like, it's so funny, and yet at the same time, it's just so bizarre. And I, yeah, I, that was one of the movies I presented on Turner Classic Movies with Robert oh. Osborne. Mm -hmm. And, and one part that they cut out of Freaks, she's turned into a chicken. Right. And, but in the original one, the strong man is singing soprano at the end. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Yes. Oh my God! Which I I thought you know now now I have no sympathy for the freaks. I'll let I'll let them turn <laughs> her into a chicken, but you know chopping a guy's balls off is that's where you that's where the line is crossed. <laughs> yeah, for you. yeah. How, how about Island of Lost Souls, Rich? That's another one we talked about. Oh my about. gosh! Your, yeah, the original Charles Lawton is, is so hammy, of course. Oh yeah, yeah. but the the makeup is just very disturbing. I thought in that. And again, you've got, you know, the, these uh, rather lustful animal men, you know, looking looking at, at the blonde. And then, you know, the very hot uh, panther woman there, too. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, there's there's so much sexuality involved in that. And uh, again, but uh, tremendous. And again, you really feel threatened. And the ending of that one, too, is just, you know, for the time, I'm oh sure people my. were just with their jaws dropping. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. That was Wild so movie for its time. Yeah, they, they throw Charles Lawton on the surgery table, yeah. and you see the hands grabbing for scalpels and scissors and knives. And and you just hear him screaming. Yeah. Yeah, creepy. And then they try, well, obviously, we won't even, like the Brando version, which is... <laughs> well, there's a Burt Lancaster yeah. one yes. from the 70s oh, that's yeah. also mm -hmm. off the wall and not very good. Yeah, and with the... Is that Brand with the Barbara Carrera? Yeah, Michael York. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And with the Burt Lancaster one, I remember they advertised it showing, like, full-color pictures of every single monster character. So there were no surprises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. The, and the Brando one just has to be seen to be, to <laughs> yeah. be believed. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, that's that's a jaw dropper, the Brando. <laughs> <laughs> Rich, what do you got coming up? Plugs? What's happening? You're doing live appearances. People show up dressed as you. Yeah, it's funny. Something that happened recently is somebody posted something from, oh, I was at this convention. I want to thank you for taking a picture with me. I wasn't there. <laughs> somebody dressed as me who obviously, you know, was trying to pass himself off as me. But, yeah, we, we do a lot of appearances all through the year. Uh, of course, the Halloween season is the busy season for me. Coming up, we do Christmas ones where I'm Sventa Claus. Sventa Claus. <laughs> I have, a, you know, a nice red suit and a, a sort of Santa hat with the uh, black fur trim. And uh, we got a lot of a lot of fun movies coming up. The, the Deadly Mantis is coming up. Oh, yeah. Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, of course. Uh, you know, and and the Invisible Woman near the end of the year too. Isn't that a comedy? The Invisible yeah, Woman. Yeah, I'll be getting the letters. Yes, the Invisible Woman is not frightening. <laughs> <laughs> Gilbert and I are going to send you letters too now. Okay, I'll be waiting for them. We're but send remember you, to do them in that voice. I'm going to send you letters of complaints, <laughs> and Gilbert's going to be a chiller fest too. Aren't oh, you, Gil? Cool. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, I'm sure I'll be stopping by like Zany's in Chicago sometime uh, in the next couple of months. So I'll try to stop by on Svengoolie. Well, yeah, you you know you've got an open invitation anytime you're in town to come in and, and do something with us. Isn't that nice? Do you ever get this way, Rich? Do you ever you ever do any cons here in New York? I or haven't in a long time. You know, I, I had some heart problems, and the doctor really didn't want me to fly for quite a while, and I I'd see. have to touch base with him again. But uh, we've been getting a lot of feelers from these different conventions all over the country now, and it's kind of like we've got to first find out if I'm okay to do it, but secondly... Uh, figure out how we'll do it. Because a lot of times here in the area when I do the stuff, I get paid a flat fee, and then I, like, sign for free and pose for pictures for free for about two hours. And I know some of the conventions don't work that way, so we'll have to figure out how to make all this stuff work. Well, I hope so. I'd like to meet you one of these days. And I, oh, same here. I promise not to complain about the comedies on the show. <laughs> I might complain about Gilbert's appearances. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save you the, the parts that we cut out that we couldn't show on the air. Okay, so now we'll start wrapping up. I'm Gilbert Gottfried, and this has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre, and we've been talking to <laughs> Rich Coes. Rich Coes, I forgot your first name first. <laughs> well, you know, Sven, all, the Sven. all the listeners at home are now going. So, you guys ran out of good guests? Yeah. <laughs> so, no, we were the perfect Halloween guest, Rich. Yes. Rich Coes, better known as Sven Gooley. Do a little car- <laughs> do a little Karloff as you sign out for it because it's our Halloween episode. What do you think? And this has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and our guest today was Rich Rose, better known as Sven Gouli. Pretty good. Pretty good. Rich, this Thank was a perfect so Halloween episode. Thanks for coming on your busy season. Thank you so much. It's really an honor for you guys to have me on. I appreciate it. Is there it. anything you want to say about Skelton Nags before you sign off? <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, I saw him in a Sherlock Holmes movie, and it scared the hell out of me. Oh, my God. <laughs> there you go. Do you know anything about him personally? Like, no. What is... <laughs> Either fortunately or unfortunately, I, I don't. Yeah, I think collected Hummel figurines. Yes. <laughs> Give our best to Freddie Boom Boom Cannon, Rich. I will. Thank you. We love him and happy Halloween. Same to you guys. Thank you so much. When the mood is full, the zombies pop. Now everybody's doing the Spangoolie stop. They did the stop. Spangoolie stop. They did the stop. Spangoolie stop. When the moon is full, the mummies rock. Now everybody's doing the Spangoolie stop. They did the stop. Spangoolie stop. They did the stop. Spangoolie stop. When the moon is full. The mummy's rock. Now everybody's doing the Spangoolie stomp. They did the stomp. <laughs>